0: I'm waiting for my ah, assistant. I need you. good evening. Sound check. Is okay. Yeah. Unless I talk low. Yeah. So, so I'll try to keep it up. Um, so we said before uh, at, at the start of the retreat, uh, I think I quoted the opening lines, one translation of uh, the Satipatthana Sutta that, uh, where the Buddha says, there is one direct way, Thich Nhat Hanh translates it, there is one most wonderful way to overcome sorrow, lamentation, grief, despair, and pain and anxiety, and realize the highest happiness, and that is the establishment of mindfulness. <clears throat> which is what we're doing here these days. I wanted to read part of another sutta, which um, I find very interesting. The name of the sutta is One Fortunate Attachment. This is the Buddha talking about One Fortunate attachment. And the interesting thing about this sutta uh, is in the Majimanakaya, number 131, the Bhadhakaratha Sutta. And this refrain that I'm about to read is also in 132, 133, and 134. So he thought this was a pretty good teaching, I guess. One fortunate attachment. <clears throat> I'll just read the very beginning and the, the refrain. Thus have I heard, on one occasion the Blessed One was living at Savati in Jetis Grove, Anatta Park. There he addressed the bhikkhus thus, bhikkhus, I shall teach you the summary and exposition of one who has one fortunate attachment. Listen and attend closely to what I shall say. Yes, venerable sir, the bhikkhus replied. And the blessed one said this. Let not a person revive the past or on the future build their hopes. For the past has been left behind and the future has not been been reached instead with insight let them see each presently arisen state let them know that let them know that and be sure of it invincibly unshakably today the effort must be made tomorrow death may come who knows no bargain with mortality can keep one from, uh, can keep him and his hordes away, death. But one who dwells thus ardently, vigorously, by day, by night, it is that one that the peaceful sage has said, one who has one fortunate attachment So, he's saying, if you got to be attached to something, be attached to being present for your life. <clears throat> Very simple. What could be simpler? What could be easier? Most anything. <laughs> But we're learning here to not just come into the present moment, to embrace it, to welcome it, to embrace it, and perhaps in time to learn more and more to love the present moment. And I wanted to talk tonight, about this opening to the present moment and learning more and more to welcome and love it. Now, I'm sure there have been moments here, uh, it's been really um, lovely to, to see the interviews over time as people have settled in, uh, that it, it's not uncommon for people to report, oh, there were moments when it, it was so so good to just be here. I don't mean just here on Spirit Rock. I mean, be here in this moment. If that hasn't happened to you, no judgment. If it's been struggle from day one and there hasn't been any moment that it's been okay and even um, enjoyable to be here... Just be patient with yourself. That's part of the process. But I'm curious, how many people have had moments where they've really just enjoyed being present here? Good. It's good, isn't it? When you're finally here, and you're not struggling, and of course it often happens when it's a pleasant moment. You know, less so when it's an unpleasant moment. But even for those glimpses when it's a pleasant moment and you say, oh, gee, why would I want to be anyplace else? That is giving you a taste that more and more you are drawn to be here. Not because you're going to be a good yogi or you're going to have something to report to the teacher in a practice meeting But just, it feels good to be here and not lost in the past or thinking about the future or lost in some fantasy imagined or perhaps having real elements to it, but the mind just manufacturing a thought. What a relief. To not be pulled like that and to just come here and rest in this present moment. And that's what we're learning to do um, to come back consistently in a kind and gentle way, hopefully, to be here. And more and more you start to land. Here in the present, <clears throat> and sometimes it feels like I don't know if I mentioned this before. Trunk Trunk had this um, this phrase. He says sometimes it feels like manual labor. Okay, come on back. Uh, there he goes. Come on back. But after a while, bringing your attention back in that consistent, kind, gentle non-judging way, just showing up and do your doing your part to come here after a while you really enjoy being here. But sometimes it's not easy to be here as we all know. The first noble truth there is dukkha in this world. And so I wanted to talk about learning to open to this moment skillfully and some qualities of mind and heart that I feel are really key to keep in mind. They've been key for me in in my own mind, in my own practice, to how to learn to open to the moment when it's not... um, Bells and roses and, and just the field of daisies when it's challenging. I wanted to uh, first um, read to you a, a passage that I love. In recent years I, I came back to um, this book that uh, was really um, had a, a big impact on me when I was much younger um, called The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. Anybody know this book? No, just one person, two people. It's a great book. Finn. Yeah. It was, I said, this is this is for me. I'll just read this little section about Thaddeus Golis, Golas, G O L A S. He says the basic function of each being is expanding and contracting. Expanded beings are permeative. Contracted beings are dense and impermeative. We experience expansion as awareness, comprehension, understanding, or whatever we wish to call it. When we're completely expanded we have a feeling of total awareness of being one with all life. At that level, we have no resistance to any vibrations or interactions of other beings. It is timeless bliss with unlimited choice of consciousness, perception, and feeling. When a being is totally contracted, they are a mass particle completely imploded. To the degree that they are contracted, a being is unable to be in the same space with others, So contraction is felt as fear, pain, unconsciousness, ignorance, hatred, evil, and a whole host of strange, unpleasant feelings. At an extreme, they have the feeling of being completely insane, of resisting everyone and everything, of being unable to choose the content of their consciousness. Of course, these are just the feelings appropriate to that mass imploded vibration level. And they can get out of them at any time by expanding, by letting go of all resistance to what they think, see, or feel. Simple, isn't it? Doesn't that make sense? And that's what we're doing here. That's the power of mindfulness to create a sense of space in the mind and the heart so that wisdom, can shine through and see things clearly, so the love that's in there can shine through and be felt and and touch others. It's all about opening uh, the, the wholesome and unwholesome states, akusla and kusla, I might have mentioned this, the akusla, unwholesome states, greed, hatred, delusion and those, they're all tight and contracted, and all the wholesome states, generosity, kindness, compassion, joy, they're all expansive states. So this is about learning to be spacious. There was a a talk, uh, a a Tibetan master came here one uh, Monday evening and gave the talk, and um, somebody told me about the talk, a few people told me about it, and so I listened to it, And um, he started out by saying, um, or somewhere in the middle of the talk, he said, I can sum up the whole of Dharma practice in two words. Everybody was really attentive. Yeah. And he said, be spacious. And that's what mindfulness cultivates, whether it's an unwholesome state creating space around it or a wholesome state deepening that quality of expansion. But you have to be willing in order to do that to open to it all not just when it's pleasant and of course I'll mention this a little bit more it's not always appropriate to open in every moment there are some times when it's important to protect ourselves and and uh, and feel the uh, a, a sense of safety before we open. So this is not just a one one instruction fits all at every time, but this is the direction that we're going. <clears throat> and there are different qualities <clears throat> that, as I say, I have found really, helpful and key in learning to open to our experience, even when things are hard. And also learning to take in the good without attachment. Because it goes against the grain to learn to open to our experience. We are so deeply conditioned to contract in relation to experience. If things are unpleasant, of course there's contraction away. No, I don't want to experience that version. And when things are really wonderful and pleasant, there is the understandable conditioned habit to contract around experience. I want this. How do I keep it here? And so it's really... what. Going upstream, as it's sometimes called, to open to experience and when things are difficult, to be willing to learn how to be with them. And when they're beautiful, to learn how to enjoy them without grasping. <clears throat> so, I want to mention a few of these qualities. The first of them is um, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Uh, yesterday I led the uh, Brahma-Vihara practice when I finally got here on time. I yeah. uh, hope you forgave me for that. On forgiveness, and if you were here, I talked about forgiveness first in the sense of forgiving this body for when it doesn't cooperate, realizing just how amazing this gift is that serves you. And it has its own laws. It follows its own laws. And so, although it tries its best to serve you, one of the laws of reality is impermanence. And sooner or later, things change. You know, when we're feeling healthy, ah, great, this is the way it's supposed to be. And then something happens, oh, I never even heard of that condition wow oh what is that what is that it's amazing now we have medical uh knowledge that names and understands all of these things that can go wrong with the body reminds me when i was first learning to drive a car you know and then i'd be driving along and then all of a sudden something would happen oh what is a water pump oh i i need to replace it you know Oh, okay. You know. Oh, carburetor? I don't even think they have carburetors anymore now. You know? And I just learned all these different parts of the car by sooner or later something would break down. Oh, I need to replace that. It's the same with our bodies. And the Buddha said, yes, this is part of the law of impermanence. Old age, illness, death, this is it. And so, forgiving our bodies when they don't act the way we want or uh, they disappoint us in some way by a sense of appreciation. And the same with our minds that just do such amazing work in processing the world and solving problems. And there are habits that get developed. It's all habit. That's what the Buddha said. It's all habit. And he said, here is a habit to practice mindfulness that will undo all the unskillful habits and cultivate all the the wise ones. But it's just these habits of mind or these habits of heart that react when they get triggered or stimulated. Oh, yes. Can we forgive our mind or our body and our heart when it's... They're just following patterns and conditioning and following their own laws. So forgiveness, we have a lot of practice in this meditation exercise to practice forgiveness. Every time your mind wanders, how do you relate to it? Darn it. Will you stop thinking? That's not the way. No. All that does is contract the the whole system more and spin the mind out. Can we forgive our minds for just doing what they do and bring them back with kindness and love? Can we forgive our body when our shoulders ache or our knee starts to throb. Can we forgive our heart when there's sadness or fear or worry instead of getting annoyed or frustrated or angry with it? This is what we're learning here. And as the Buddha said, the key is to not take it personally just following its own laws, and the awareness that can see without getting reactive or taking ownership of it or blaming ourselves or blaming our body, ah, there is where the, the healing and the heart can start to open. And that we get lots of other chances for forgiveness Any time that we're judging ourselves for not being as good a yogi or any way that we don't measure up, that we're not getting a gold star for our practice that day, let go of the report card. And as I said earlier, all you need to do is show up with sincerity. And any kind of expectation that you should be doing it perfectly That's merciless. The Third Zen Patriarch, one of my favorite treatises in all of Dharma, Verses on the Faith Mind by Singstan, the Third Zen Patriarch of of China, he has this line, he says, "Um, To live in the highest realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. To live in the highest realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. That's when you know you've really made it. When you can let go of being perfect. Isn't that comforting? Something to strive for? Hey, I'm doing a pretty good job of non-perfection today. This is a part of a poem that uh, I I often read. I'll just read the last part of it. Uh, Awakening Now by Dana Falls. She says, Do you value your reasons for staying small more than the light shining through the open door? Forgive yourself. Now is the only time you have to be whole. Now is the sole moment that exists to live in the light of your true self. Perfection is not a prerequisite for anything but pain. Please, oh please, don't continue to believe in your disbelief. This is the day of your awakening. So as you're looking at this mind-body process, which the Buddha spoke of, these five aggregates. He said, in this fathom-long body, the whole of the Dharma is revealed, suffering, the cause, the end, and the path leading to the end. In this fathom-long body, six feet, give or take a foot and a half standard deviation, we pretty much fall into that. And he says, Take a look. This is your laboratory to investigate, to explore the human experience. And so when something gets activated, oh, and there's sadness. Oh, it's just sad Buddha. Oh, lonely Buddha. Frightened Buddha. It's just coming to visit you for a moment. It comes and it goes forgiveness, starting with ourselves, then we can extend that to others when we see our own laboratory. And we forgive ourselves, then we can have more compassion and forgive others as well. So that's the the first. Okay. Second, patience. In the Ten Paramis, patients, Kanti, K-H-A-N-T-I, is a key to this whole process. You can't hurry up this practice. You know, I've I used to think, how can I get around the first three days and just settle in? Ah, doesn't work like that. There is a natural, organic process, and you put in your time, and you show up, and you do it with kindness and um, perseverance and wise effort. And with patience, it's like you're, you're planting a seed, and you're watching it grow. And you can't pull the sapling, the seedling, out. Is it ready yet? No. No. It just takes its own time to grow. And so you're learning here to be just with this moment instead of toppling forward. Have you noticed yourself toppling forward at all? The first three-month retreat I did, this is the first retreat at IMS, 1976, and I thought, you know, I came in, okay, I'm going for it. And by the third day, I was saying, what did I get myself in for? And I started counting minutely. Oh, 11 weeks, 3 days, 15 hours, 20 minutes to go. I don't know if I'll ever make it. And it was It was scary. And maybe you've had those moments a month, you know, two months, you know. Luckily, somebody gave a talk on patience just around that time. And I played this little game with myself every time I started saying, you know, 11 weeks, one day, you know. I would just come back to this moment, this is when it's happening. This is the only moment that there is. And I invite you to experiment with that, noticing the difference between toppling forward and being here in, this, in the present moment. Just try this. Some of you have done this with me before. Just imagine something that you're looking forward to. You know, maybe the end of the retreat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. or maybe lunch tomorrow or your next interview or something in your life okay just imagine in front of you okay and there it is and if you can lean forward enough and touch it it's just out of reach if you can touch it you'll have instant gratification okay so just play this little experiment with me. Think of something you really want, you're looking forward to, maybe you've had some thoughts about the future. And now I'd like you to reach and go for it. If you really go for it, it's just out of reach. Oh, it'll feel so good. And now stay right where you are for a moment. Notice how that feels. And now very gently come back to center to this present moment, right now. Feel the difference? Sometimes having a somatic experience of it gets the point home. As, As seductive and tantalizing as this is, it's really off balance. But when I come back to right now, oh, Life is happening right now. That's pretty good. Is refuge in the present moment. And so I invite you, when you see it, don't judge it. Oh, toppling forward, Buddha. Ah, I have the option to come back right now. It's said, the spiritual journey takes a a cup of wisdom, a barrel of love, and an ocean of patience. Kanti, the Parami of patience. Another support for learning to open to this moment and be here now. <clears throat> Sense of humor really helps big time. Cuz if you if you have a sense of humor then you can laugh at this crazy mind, you know. Instead of oh my god, look at my mind, you know. Wow, look at that mind. It's just <laughs> amazing, you know. As uh, as wavy gravy says, if you can't laugh, it's just not funny. <laughs> and the thing about humor, you might think it's a kind of frivolous attitude. But really, humor, uh, in, intrinsic is, in humor, is not taking it personally. When you can laugh at this mind, then you're in on the joke. Instead of being the butt of the joke. Wow, look at the mind. This is a, no, maybe I'll, yeah, somebody just sent me this um, poem by John Rodell. My brain and my heart divorced a decade ago over who was to blame about how big of a mess I've become. Eventually, they couldn't be in the same room with each other, and now my head and heart share custody of me. I stay with my brain during the week, and my heart gets me on weekends. They never speak to one another. Instead, they give me the same note to pass to each other every week, and the notes they send to one another always say the same thing. This is all your fault. On Sundays, my heart complains about how my head Has let me down in the past, and on Wednesday, my head lists all of the times my heart has screwed things up for me in the future. They blame each other for the state of my life. There's been a lot of yelling and crying, so lately, I've been spending a lot of time with my gut, who serves as my unofficial therapist. Most nights, I sneak out of the window in my ribcage and slide down my spine and collapse on my gut's plush leather chair that's always open for me, and I just sit, 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 sit until the sun comes up. Last evening my gut asked me if I was having a hard time being caught between my heart and my head. I nodded. I said, I don't know if I could If I could live with either of them anymore my heart is always sad about something that happened yesterday while my head is always worried about something that might happen tomorrow I lamented my gut squeezed my hand (laughs) I just can't live with my mistakes of the past or my anxiety about the future I sighed my gut smiled and said in that case you should go stay with your lungs for a while I was confused the look on my face gave it away. If you're exhausted about your heart's obsession with the fixed past past, and your mind's focus on the uncertain future, your lungs are the perfect place for you. There's no yesterday in your lungs. There's no tomorrow there either. There's only now. There's only inhale. There's only exhale. There's only this moment. There's only breath, and in that breath you can rest while your heart and your head work their relationship out. This morning, while my brain was busy reading tea leaves and while my heart was staring at old photographs, (laughs) I packed a little bag and walked down to the door of my lungs. Before I could even knock, she opened the door with a smile and as Augusta air embraced me, she said, What took you so long? <laughs> Having a sense of humor makes all the difference in the world. I've, some of you have heard the story, an another retreat story on a three month It was on my, uh, yeah, on. Uh, my first three-month retreat again, I, uh, I have a jukebox often in my head. Maybe some of you know that experience. <clears throat> and this song came on in my mind from um, Bob Dylan's um, early, brilliant, very depressive period. I was a huge Bob Dylan fan. And the song came in my mind, Visions of Johanna, and it goes, I'll just sing a little bit, Ain't it just like the night to play tricks when we're trying to be so quiet? We're sitting here stranded, though we're all doing our best to deny it. This is on a three-month retreat. (laughs) And that verse played over and over and over for one solid week. Fun. We're sitting here stranded that we're all doing our best to deny it. And I was getting heavier and heavier. Magically, after a week, the needle, it was the days of vinyl, in my mind, skipped to a later verse in the song that starts out, Oh, little boy lost. He takes himself so seriously. It was like the sky opened up. That's what's going on. I've been getting really heavy and serious. Oh, wow. And then the song changed in the jukebox to a great song if you're going to get a song stuck in your mind. Take It Easy by the Eagles, Jackson Brown. Take it easy, take it easy. Don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. Lighten up while you still can. It was clear sailing for the rest of the retreat. So I'm here to tell you, lighten up while you still can. If you're getting heavy, time to freshen up and lighten up and just bring some spacious lightness to your practice. I have this agreement. It doesn't happen so much these days, but when I used to get really somber and, and heavy I'd have this agreement that I'd smile Thich Nhat Hanh has this uh, instruction to sit with a smile um, like the half smile of the Buddha and when I get heavy I say okay just smile and I'd have this like devil and angel on my shoulder you know getting pretty heavy you said you'd smile yeah but I don't feel like smiling yeah <laughs> But you said you'd smile. Yeah, but I don't feel like it, you know. But you said, All right already, I'll smile. And I'll go into the bathroom. I used to do this a lot. I go into the bathroom, look in the mirror, and <laughs> put a big toothy grin on my mouth. It works. It works. Try it right now. Especially if you don't feel like trying it. I'm not gonna be California airy-fairy stupid <laughs> smile. You know? This is for you. Okay, Put a smile on your face right now. Right through the mask. I want to be able to see them. Hard to be depressed. Because your body tells your mind messages. So if you're getting really just in a rut, of course, you're not wanting to smile all the time. And sometimes it's a time for grief, and sometimes it's a time for sadness, and sometimes it's, a, it's, the, it's appropriate to feel all the feelings that are hard to feel and hold them with compassion. But if you're just stuck in a rut, bring some lightness, some either a smile or some humor, where you can just laugh at this crazy mind that we have. So that's another one. Forgiveness, patience, humor. One that I just mentioned uh, in passing, compassion. Just holding, when things get really hard, holding it with kindness. That self-compassion practice that probably most of you are familiar with of Kristen Neff and... Christopher Germer, of um, just holding our pain or our suffering with, with a kind, tender attitude. Very simple. Just remind you, if you're really getting lost, this is the way I do it. Just putting your hand on your heart for a moment. Try it now. That physiologically releases oxytocin stimulates the vagus nerve, and calms down the system, stimulates the parasympathetic system. And whether, if this is too much, then you might just hug yourself and nobody has to know that you're, you're being soft and tender, you know, or putting your hand on your cheek and just feeling with a tender touch. Oh, this is hard right now. This is a moment of suffering. Oh, and this is just part of life. And you might think of all the people in the world who might be going through what you're going through. Oh, I'm not alone. It's just part of being human. Let me hold this with kindness and compassion. Just that simple little thing. And, and the one inside that needs comforting is comforted by the wise one that knows just what they need. Mm. This is suffering. This is hard. This is just part of life. I'm not alone. Let me hold this with kindness. You're just inclining the mind that way. And then that can give you maybe enough space and calming down so that you can you can actually then be with your experience. So. Compassion, self-compassion. And here's, we get to the most, probably the most important part of the learning to open is learning to be with our experience. RAIN, that acronym that Michelle McDonald first um, came up with, that Uh, Tara has has adapted in in her own way to recognize what am I feeling now? Oh, this is sadness. Uh, To allow it to be here. Just giving it permission to be here. So you can learn to relate to it in a wiser way. To investigate, or bring an interest to it, what does it feel like in here? Does it stay the same? Does it change? What does it feel like in the mind? Not the story, but what does it feel like inside? And just being an explorer. And the N non-identification, not taking it personally just seeing this is just part of the human experience recognize allow investigate non identify not take it personally you're just exploring the human experience and this it takes courage to do that you know th- this this mindfulness stuff is is not for the the faint of heart. If you really want to open up and feel all the love and the goodness and the wisdom and the purity of, of heart inside, it requires you to learn to be here for the whole show. And that takes courage. A little at a time. Not going in above your head, not going in and going beyond what's called the window of tolerance, where you get triggered or activated and you can't come down, but just a little at a time, touching those places that need some healing, wise attention. The miracle of mindfulness. You don't want to go in above your head, But you don't want to be um, timid and afraid to touch what needs attention either. You don't want to be hyper-aroused or hypo-aroused. Just that spot in the middle where you can actually feel what's going on. And in the feeling, there's an expression in, in... Mindful self-compassion, two expressions. Name it, and you tame it. That is, recognize, oh, this is what's happening. And feel it, and you heal it. If you learn how to skillfully touch it a little at a time. And I think I want to Yeah, now share this little mm, experiment. This will be a a multimedia talk, if May will help me. I'll just give a little bit of a setup for this. I want to share with you um, a song that you probably have never heard before uh, called The Human Experience from uh, a play called The Fourth Messenger, which was conceived of here at Spirit Rock by a meditator, oh, about maybe 15 years or so now, and it was her first retreat. I was here for that retreat, and we became good friends, and she's a brilliant playwright, uh, and um uh, and has put on many plays, but this is a play uh, that was a kind of takeoff on the Buddha's life, where the Buddha um, comes in the form of a, a female, Mama Sid. She's called in the in the play, and she's the guru. And she's this is a scene where she's teaching somebody how to open to their fear, and this to me communicates in a much better way than i can just talking about it i have the lyrics so but i asked may before can they can you understand she said i can pretty much make out every word so i can share some of the lyrics afterwards if needed but here is the human experience from the the play the fourth messenger and um uh mama Sid teaching this woman who has cancer who is filled with fear to open up to it so let's try it oh you yeah. wait put it right next to it and and lift and the uh make the sound higher
1: so afraid yeah
0: see Little louder.
1: I see the fear. What color is it? White. What shade? Blinding like sun on snow. Yes. I'm trying to breathe through the fear, but how can I breathe through the fear? Uh,
0: mm-hmm. That so beautifully to me describes what we're doing. Now you're a painter noticing the light on the trees. Now you're a scientist gazing through a microscope. You're a detective gathering clues so keenly attuned to everything around and inside you. Joy and doubt, fear and rage. Feel them spark, ignite and blaze. Let them burn themselves clean and evaporate like all of this human experience. Now see the grief. Name the grief. The act of naming brings relief, heavy, light, shallow, deep, part of the human experience. Step outside your suffering, see the fear, feel the fear, hello fear, I know you fear. You're part of the human, part of the human part of the human experience that's what we're learning to do to open to the difficult and not be afraid of it just in the measure that feels skillful and appropriate for us and we gain courage and strength when we learn little by little to do that, that we have the capacity to to be with anything, really. Awareness can hold it all. And then the other side of that is that there's blessings and magic and joy and goodness and love all of those things learning to open to those too, not to be afraid of those sometimes people are afraid of those to open to it all open to the whole show this is all just learning to allow the moment, and then learning more and more to welcome it, embrace it, and love the moment. This is what we're doing here. Forgiveness, patience, humor, compassion, mindfulness courage, just learning to open up to this human experience so that then we can share our understanding and our compassion and our wisdom and our love with everyone and help them to see in the same way. So let's sit for a moment. You enjoy a half hour of practice on your own, walking, whatever, coming back for a last uh, chanting and sit. And uh, you might just practice that attitude of, oh, this moment, one fortunate attachment, let me be attached to being here right now. <clears throat> Okay. Thank you. Good night.